Welcome to the Soul Seeker Sisterhood podcast, where we talk all things spiritual, mystical, and transformational to inspire you at a soul level and expand your consciousness. Welcome to this week's episode. I have a guest that I'm thrilled to be chatting to today, and she's going to take us on a deep dive into feminine leadership and transformational work. Violetta Pleshikova is a feminine leadership mentor and transformational trainer with a PhD in cultural studies and has more than 10 years experience facilitating self-development programs all over the world. She runs the modern mystery school called the Temple of the Starfire, through which she helps rising leaders and paradigm shifters reclaim their feminine magic and unlock their soul's destinies. Holding the frequencies of depth, magic, liberation, and beauty in her approach, she blends together ontological coaching, energy um, mastery, shadow work, channeling, and intuitive healing. As a true citizen of the world, she divides her time between Berlin, Amsterdam, South Africa, and Contazur. I am absolutely thrilled to have you today. So thank you so much for jumping on this um, on this recording. Hello, Verity. Hello, listeners. I'm so thrilled to be here. I can't wait to chat to you about all things feminine and mystical. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. We've got some great things that we've got coming up. I know we were chatting before about some of this stuff and, um, yeah, we were even just talking about the fact that the Wi-Fi dropped out. So we've clearly got some really cool things that are going to come through um, and some messages that um, are going to come through from that channel point of view. So, It would be great to start with you telling us a little bit about yourself um, and how you sort of got into some of this this work and this transformational work and working with women. How did that all start? Well, I believe that it started way before I was born. I believe that we come here with soul missions and soul contracts to fulfill. And I... I believe it to be true that many women who are spiritual and who are called to the priestess path and to the feminine leadership path are on the so-called service lifetime. So we decided to incarnate at this pivotal time in human history so that we can give what we carry in our soul essence. So I, I feel this was my past. I thought, okay, let's do this. Let's, 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 um, let's incarnate. Let's have this earthly experience. And I always say I was born with the veils between the worlds open. So as a child, I already had intuitive abilities, psychic abilities. It was so easy for me to connect with the other side to see patterns in the air to read people's energy I was a highly sensitive child and I was very blessed to be born into a family I was born and raised in Russia and my family was spiritual in their own way they were all mystics they were all thinkers although they were scientists you know but at their core they were philosophers so I was always exposed to dinner table conversations about meaning of life and ancient Greece and things like that so my grandfather fed me all the right books Uh, I remember like um who gives a child who is 12 years old Anna Karina like my grandfather (laughs) so anyway I was I was born and raised with that interest in the meaning of life, in deep questions, in all the profound subjects of existence. So it's no wonder that I ended up doing this work. It became clear to me when I was already very young that I need to, I need to know, I want to find out how, what makes humans tick, what's on the other side. And at first it was a hobby, but then later on it took over. And initially my first degree was in international politics. Then I moved to Germany to study 
public policy and then I started just finding my way in life okay what do I do with myself I continued on with a PhD program in cross-cultural project management and so once I was doing an internship in a consulting think tank and it was oh I will now expose that I'm old (laughs) okay so the year was 2009-2010 and coaching industry was just at its infancy nobody even knew what it was but me doing that internship I heard the word coaching and I was like that's what I need to study and so in parallel as I was working on my PhD I also started to study coaching and that's how I found myself. I thought, wow, it's actually a profession. You can actually do this for a living. And I got trained in coaching before it became cool, before the online world, before the industry exploded and became a thing. I got trained as a coach and I then started also training as a trainer. And so initially I spent almost a decade of my life traveling all over the world, delivering trainings at this international coach training school. And with that, I got exposed to a lot of people, a lot of life stories. And I suddenly started to experience that my abilities are beyond just, let's say, normal coaching, normal life coaching. People would walk into the room and I would just get flash images of their past lives. And then as the training would progress, those issues would start to kind of be woven into our normal coaching. But I, I thought, what, what, what I see, what I do, it's, it's not rational. It's not also irrational. It's transrational. It's transcendental. And so I started to blend in my spiritual interests, my personal spiritual path, and my professional path. So eventually I quit the coach training school, received the download for Temple of Starfire, and committed full on to my feminine mystic path. And I think that's the story. And this is the story for many women who come into my field. They know that they have magic. They know that they are different. They know that they have spiritual gifts. And then it's all about allowing ourselves to pursue it, allowing ourselves to unlock our magic. And then essentially for me, it was a choiceless choice. It's not like I chose the path. The path chose me. I was just willing to follow my soul guidance. That's the one thing that is super important to me is following soul guidance, especially when it does not make sense. And so it was in a way a natural unfolding. And to me, it's like my return to who I was before I was even born. It's my return to the child who was roaming around the woods, talking to imaginary friends and connecting with the fairies. And Sometimes I have to pinch myself and be like, whoa, is this real? Do I really get to work my magic for a living and that I can actually sustain myself and have a a growing business and have people who come to me because they want this, you know? And so that's the story in a nutshell. Love it. Oh my God. There's so many things in what you've just said that are just fascinating. And I think um, I really love the bit about, you know, going back to childhood. This is obviously something that, you know, you've always been in touch with. And a lot of us lose that along the way somewhere as we kind of grow up and we go through different stages of our life. We It's not that it's gone completely, but it just isn't a focus. And often we sort of come into, uh, you know, adult women come into this and they sort of think, wow, I think I've forgotten this part of me. And they sort of are looking for that and searching for that. So talk me through what does it mean to be a modern mystic? What is that? We hear this all the time. But what do you see that as when you're working with women? 
Oh, I love this question. So I'm going to respond in two parts. First, I'm going to explain what a mystic is, and then I'm going to explain what a modern mystic is. Why are we seeing the return of the mystic and the return of the priestess? So who is a mystic? To me, a mystic is a cosmic human. To me, a mystic is a person who walks between worlds. It's a person who has one leg in the mundane and one leg in the magical. It's the person who is that bridge between the liminal space, the world of energy, the world of spirit, and daily life, human life. So a mystic is someone who, I I call it, a mystic is here to romance the great unknown Mm. and be seduced by the mystery. That's a feminine mystic. She is here to dance with spirit. She is here to make love to existence, to make love to life. And a mystic is someone who is is even beyond being a seeker because a mystic is not even looking for an answer. A mystic is just someone who delights in those big questions of existence without needing to find an answer. But a mystic is somebody who is devoted to becoming a living answer. That's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) We have seen so many mystics in the Middle Ages, and um, if we go back to ancient times and we think about mystery schools, we think about, for example, ancient Egypt, that is receiving a lot of attention these days because a lot of women feel connection to the priestess timeline and those times. So a mystic is somebody who is here to remind the world that not everything is black and white. Not everything is just clear-cut, understandable through logic. To me, a mystic is somebody who seeks the path of direct gnosis. A mystic is somebody who knows that they have a channel and they can connect through that channel. It's like the direct line to God, direct line to the divine. And a mystic is somebody who is always interfacing with life with something greater with the universe with god whatever you want to call it the mystic is somebody who is present to the intangible layers of existence and now modern mystic so modern mystic i'm witnessing a revival of what i call temple culture a revival of ceremony a revival of sisterhood circles a revival of priestess tradition and medicine woman tradition and why because I, as I said at the beginning, I think that's why we came here, because that's what the world needs. After centuries of suppressing the irrational and suppressing the mysterious and suppressing the feminine, we now understand that our mind can only take us that far. That logic and science and clear-cut answers, they can only take us that far because they do not explain life. For all they're trying, if you ask a quantum physicist um, to explain existence, a quantum physicist will give you very mystical answers <laughs> because many, many great scientists were also mystics. My grandfather is an example of, of that. You know, his daily life, he he was going to the lab and creating medical formulations for uh, medications and doing all the studies and so on. But he said some of his base discoveries came to him in kind of meditative trance state. And we know that, like uh, Mendeleev dreamt to the periodic table and my grandfather being a chemical scientist he relates to that i know and in his spare time he would go and read jean-jacques rousseau and write poems so there is this great need for the convergence 
of the mysterious and the logical. So it's not about throwing away the mind and throwing away the intellect. It's about it's about the sacred dance between intellect and intuition. And that's what a modern mystic does. A modern mystic is here to synthesize various trajectories of existence in order to enrich everyone's understanding. And a modern mystic to me is somebody who respects ancient wisdom and who respects lineages that came before us and who is willing to undergo mystery school training in, in their own way, but who is also willing to adjust to current day reality. Because some of the things that we had the luxury to do in mystery schools of ancient Egypt, we just cannot do now. Because nobody has the time to go away for five years and have a five-year-long dark night of the soul initiation. You know, like we don't have communities who can feed us, for example. We need to have a different system of monetary exchange. Uh, we have busy lives. The pace is different. So a modern mystic is somebody who is able to find a way of embedding the mysterious into the fabric of our complex modern existence. That's the modern mystic. And I also see that a lot of modern mystics are also change makers. A lot of them are healers, and a lot of them are on service lifetimes for the sake of the collective, for the sake of something greater. Mm, oh my God, that is the best description ever. That is absolutely amazing. Do you think that there are a lot of women that come into your um, life that you meet and you coach and things like that, that maybe wouldn't have ever described themselves as a modern mystic, but then when they, you know, are working with you or they sort of come to understand what that means a little bit more, they go, that, that's me. Do you think that there's some people that it's just sort of hidden inside them and they just have never had that outlet to understand that that is actually part of them? Well, that's a great question about clients. And one thing I notice is this. Each and every woman who has ever attended my programs, courses, done one-on-one -on -one with me, she did not come to me to learn something. She came to me to remember. And that's the difference because a lot of women feel in their bodies, it's a very somatic embodied experience. They feel resonance with this in their bodies. And so to all um, the people out there listening, if this is moving you on some deep level, if you feel even a tiny spark of recognition, I invite you to follow that spark because it will lead you to your next step. Because see, to me, the priestess path, the modern mystic path, it's not intellectual. It's not an intellectual pursuit. It's not like you go and get a PhD in ancient Egyptian history. It's not about knowing. It's not about collecting answers. To me, it's more about becoming. It's a state of being. It's how we live in this world. It's how we lead, how we love, how we show up. And to me, it's the path of remembering. And yes, of course, there are some things that you might want to learn. For example, energy work techniques. I train my clients in using their intuition, in trusting their psychic abilities. Yes, there are tools, techniques, practices. That's amazing. But that's just the surface level because the deeper level is the embodiment of the mystery, how we approach our lives, how we see ourselves and how we how we emanate that soul essence, that that memory that is not only personal, it's also ancestral. It's also collective. It's also from the from the soul realm. So, yeah, it always fascinates me how women just resonate and recognize themselves in this. Of course, not everyone, but the ones who carry what I call the priestess template, the ones who are coded for it on the soul level, 
to me, it's like, okay, permission slip. Yes, nobody will give you a diploma that you are a modernistic. You can go and do five trainings and get certificates, but it, there is no final exam, you know, that says, oh yeah, you're a priestess. I cannot tell you that, you know. I can go to somebody's Akashic Records and channel their soul history and say, oh yeah, um, you have Magdalene connection, you have Aces connection, you have this and this and this. But ultimately, we need to initiate ourselves. We need to accept the magic in ourselves because that's where it gets really interesting, you know, when we feel that we are magical, but we are afraid of it. And then we have to go on the journey of accepting our truth and stepping into that truth and living bravely from that truth. Oh, I think that's so true. And we're seeing that more and more. Um, you know, and I suppose being online, we sort of are bombarded with a lot more things now. So we actually see a lot more women stepping into that space. So talk to me about, you know, feminine leadership and, and where that ties in, because this is something, you know, as we sort of move forward in history, this is a big one that there's a lot of trauma based around women and leadership and where they step into this, but it really closely ties into what you're talking about being that modern mystic and how do women get themselves to that point? You know, women that are listening thinking, I know I've got it inside of me. I've got that feminine leadership ability in me, but I just don't know how to get it out of me. Um, how do, what, what would you say to someone that's in that space? Mm, okay. So I will say something that I'm always saying to myself and to my clients, trust that not only are you choosing the past, but the past is also choosing you. Yeah. Mm. So trust that this is not some idle pursuit. This is not a hobby. This is not just games. This is soul destiny. Are you going to treat this as a nice side hobby, which is also fine? Or are you going to say that being a feminine leader is my soul destiny? And that kicks in that new level of reverence and respect. Mm -hmm. It starts with you accepting that this is your soul contract. This is why you came here. And again, this will not resonate for everyone. And I just want to make a little side note because in my world, it's all about the nuance. Being a feminine leader does not necessarily mean that you will lead a business or you will lead a movement or you will be a CEO. You can be a feminine leader for your community. You can be a wife and a mother who is a feminine leader because you are an example to your children. You can be a feminine leader and just pursue, an, let's say, non-public path. You do not necessarily have to put yourself out there on Instagram or just have a platform, but you might find yourself called to just because you have so much to give and so much to share. So to me, leadership is not about your title, your position, and the performance of leadership. To me, leadership is about a state of being. To me, leadership is saying, okay, I've got work to do in this world. I've got things to give. And I have my light that wants to shine. So as a leader, I am someone who is going to walk the path. To me, leadership is about devotion. It's about knowing that this is bigger than us. It's about offering yourself as a vessel for something greater. And feminine leadership to me is leading from the feminine essence. When you are not leading from needing to control the outcome. And here I want to address something that 
well, let's say I have some heretical views that many people will not agree with, but I'm quite critical of the whole New Age culture and goddess culture and spirituality culture. Just because I've been around for over a decade, I saw how it started and I saw how it evolved, especially with the with the prevalence of social media. And what I notice sometimes goes a bit like off in family leadership is that tendency to pedestalize yourself. And I want just to be very cautious about that. So this is not about saying, I'm a goddessy goddess. I don't care about anybody. I'm building my empire. And I want um, Louis Vuitton and Chanel everything, in including my socks. And look at me. I mean, I love me some luxury, okay? So I'm a very indulgent woman. <laughs> uh, just yesterday, I went and bought myself a new set of red French lingerie because that's my way of celebrating myself. So I'm all for that. But, you know, like, it's about the under tone. So to me, feminine leadership is primarily about service. It is not about declaring that I'm uh, a goddess, a goddess who is self-sourced and I can create anything I want. And it's not about using femininity to manipulate reality. Because unfortunately, this is how the feminine arts and the mystical arts got appropriated and distorted by the coaching industry and the new age community where people thought, oh, okay, feminine magnetism, let me take my sacred sexuality and use it to get things. Let me use my God-given natural feminine essence in order to accumulate possessions, in order to achieve status. And then I will declare myself to be a goddess and, you know, all this boss babe goddesspreneur culture, which served its purpose but it is very dangerous when we are co-opting feminine arts and the mystical for the sake of self-aggrandizement, ego pursuits, and just manipulation of reality. So what to do instead? If that's not the pause, to me, feminine leadership is actually the pause of humility, the pause of devotion, and the pause of being of service. There is a whole new paradigm emerging in the space, and I see more and more women get drawn to this way of being and more and more teachers start sharing this i call it the vessel way and uh, another term for this is vessel arts um, because to me the feminine is actually it's the it's 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 the holy grail it's the chalice if you look at the womb it's like the chalice that can receive a seed of divine guidance so to me it's like feminine a feminine leader offers herself as an empty vessel offers herself to something greater I call it God. It was very powerful for me to reclaim the word God non-religiously. You can call it the universe. You can call it your soul. You can call it higher power, whatever. So you are offering yourself as that feminine receptive vessel to receive guidance. And then this guidance lands in you as a seed, as the masculine. It penetrates you because you are open and receptive and you are able to be penetrated by guidance and then you receive clarity, you receive your soul mission, you say yes to your soul destiny and then the feminine starts to nourish, cultivate and gestate in that cauldron of that womb space in the mystery, actually things get born from the void, they get born from darkness, they get born from that cave of the womb space where you as a feminine leader are kind of, you know, gestating this new creation and then when the time is right, you burst it into the world and that's your offering, that's your service. So the feminine is a very creative force, but her creative force is a co-creative force. So what I'm saying is, you're not creating it alone. You are always dancing with the energies of life.
And you are not creating it just for yourself. You are also creating it for the greater good. You are creating it for your community. You are creating it for your family unit. You are creating it for the entire world and also for the women who currently do not have a voice. So we as feminine leaders have a responsibility to speak on behalf of those who cannot speak for themselves yet. So to me, it's a devotional pass and feminine leadership is a pass of being receptive to guidance, accepting soul destiny and being a vessel for that soul mission and that deep, deep, deep truth that that comes from the soul. It doesn't come from the mind. It doesn't come from the ego. It doesn't come from personal desires. And to me and the women in my field, it often shocks us to discover that what we thought we wanted is not what our souls want for us. And that what our souls want for us is even greater. It's even bigger. But it requires us to get humble and let go of all the ideas of who I think I am. Let go of all the status symbols or all the priestessy, goddessy exterior that looks pretty uh, on Instagram, but is actually essentially void um, and kind of, you know, vacuous when you when you touch it. So it's a part of deepening, it's a part of devotion, it's a part of being the bridge between worlds and being a vessel and being a pillar, a pillar of light for the world. So it's also a part of ongoing personal transformation where you have to be burned by the purification fires over and over again. You have to let go of false ideas of what you thought you wanted, false ideas of how you planned your life to be, um, false ideas of what you think is right and wrong. So, so it's like it's an ongoing initiation, initiation, initiation. It's like a ride of a lifetime. I'm selling it well, right? Everybody wants it now. It completely (laughs) makes sense. And I think what you were saying about social media and we've become aware now that what you're seeing is not what's really often going on behind the scenes and this real hyped up space, we see a lot of it and it can draw you in and you then want this sort of surface level stuff and we get confused We become really confused about, is that what I want? Is that what I should be aiming for? That's what other people seem to want. And I think, you you know, you made some really good points there, but it can be so confusing for some people to figure out, you know, which direction. And no wonder people come to you and then they realise it's what they thought they wanted is completely different. I can really see how that, you know, once you sort of do a deep dive it's often quite different and that's serving and how important serving is because often we don't find alignment and I often find with and I've experienced this myself when things haven't you know especially in business or things haven't gone the way you thought they would but really you're trying to fight this uphill battle but it's because you're not aligned and part of it's because you're not serving the right way and your intuition is screaming at you saying go in a different direction you're like look at this from a different perspective or it's trying to give you those messages but often we have kind of closed that part of us down and so we can't hear what we really need to hear so you talk a lot about soul destinies how does someone step into that space that often feels like a really big mystical thing like it's you know I've got to be able to have this moment and something's going to come down and tell me you know what that answer is and that's not really true so (laughs) yeah 
spoiler alert, there will be no point in time where the sky cracks open and it starts <laughs> to rain unicorns and the angels are singing and rose petals are falling. So that's not going to happen. It's actually quite, quite underwhelming yeah. <laughs> in terms of, but it's deep. It's, it's, it's also overwhelming at the same time. So to me, soul destiny is something that, um, ancient Indian traditions would call karma. Uh, you can also talk about it in terms of purpose, mission, and so on. So to me, it's your highest path. It's what you've just called alignment. Yeah, it's it's your aligned path. It is wanting what your soul wants for you. It is living the ultimate reason for why you were born and living it in accordance with your natural rhythm, with your natural unique essence, and with your energetic frequency. We all carry that energetical undertone. So for me, some of the codes that I carry are depths, liberation, magic, and beauty. It's in everything I do. And if one is to start, I always talk about three-step process, explore, embody, express. That's the Holy Trinity. So it starts with exploration. Nobody can expect that you will wake up tomorrow, suddenly have a big insight, and then go and change your whole life, do complete 180, and just step into your purpose 100%. It is possible, but usually it's a journey. And it starts with exploration, where you go out there and say, okay, I want to discover what my destiny is. I want to know who I really am. And the most helpful tool at this stage to me, in my experience, is simply prayer. And again, I'm using it in a non-religious sense, adapted to your own spiritual beliefs, but prayer is simply an open dialogue with something greater. And to me, it starts with a decision and a devotional choice. A devotional choice is like, okay, I want now to step onto my soul destiny path. I want to know who I am really. And for me, this prayer would go something like this. You know, you place your hands over your heart before you go to sleep or first thing in the morning. And you would be like, dear God or whatever, dear universe, I'm ready to know who I really am. Show me who I really am. Show me my next step. Reveal to me what my essence is. Give it to me. Bring me to the right place, to the right person. Send me the right mentors. Send me the right tools. Send me the right books. Give it to me. Show me who I really am and strip away everything that is not the truth. And for, for a long time, I've been praying uh, a very radical prayer, which is, again, not for everyone. You need to be ready for it. But the prayer was, if it's not my soul destiny, please remove it. Clear my life. Clear the deck for me. Remove whatever is not my soul destiny, even if it's something that I'm deeply attached to. And then I had to let go of like a very dear um, business uh, business partnership, you know, because it was no longer in, in my soul destiny and things like that, of course. And th that's the starting point is the exploration. And it's that devotional choice and willingness to co-create with life. Because in my experience, when you start showing up for soul guidance and asking for it, it comes. But you need to ask for it. You know, it's like, yeah, maybe some of you experience, you know, that you have spirit guides or angels or your loved ones from the other side, they are helping you. But they're not going to knock on your door. They're not going to knock on your door and be like, Violetta, Violetta, this is your next soul mission. It's me, your great grandmother. Wake up. Like, of course it happens. For example, Joan of Arc heard voices and then she led an army. Yes, it happens. But not to, not to most of us. For most of us, it starts with us getting down on our knees. And mostly people get down on their knees because they are sick of the, of the pain. And I would say you don't have to wait for the rock bottom. Your life can be pretty good, but you are making a leap from good to great. 
So it starts with exploration, okay? Let's say you go into your journey of exploration and here it's very helpful to take courses, to find mentors, to get various readings, maybe explore your human design, your astrology, your jinkies, whatever, anything that can tell you more about you, okay? Anything, all of it. Just find people you like, find people you trust, find people you resonate with. That's the exploration stage. Then we move into embodiment. So before you move into expression, before you really go out there and show yourself to the world and start living this new destiny, you need to embody it. And for me, this is the essential part because it's about integration. You cannot get that which you have not digested and assimilated. Because then, see, this is what most people skip. A lot of people skip that. They are having a spiritual awakening and they want to tell everybody about it. And so then the internet gives them the megaphone. And it's very easy to amass a big following these days. You don't, uh, people, as you said, you know, we can't tell from somebody's Instagram. Okay, most of us can because we are energy readers or we are psychic. But a lot of people just look at metrics like big following of flashy images or flashy credentials. They don't look at somebody's level of embodiment. But this is the mystic spot. I always say when I um, when I train priestesses, I say to them, hey, your work, priestess work, more mystic work, it doesn't happen in the front chamber of your temple. It happens in the inner chamber of your temple. It happens behind closed doors. You don't tell anybody about this. You don't even discuss it with your bestie because not everything needs to be shared. There are some mystical revelations and experiences you will have in meditation and prayer practice that are just for you. They do not belong on your Instagram story. You don't have to broadcast everything and each and every spiritual revelation to the world. So that's the embodiment part where you actually take your insights, take your discoveries, and you assimilate them, you integrate them, you live with them, and then you start acting as that new self. You know, that is your shaped shifting. You start behaving differently. You make micro adjustments in your life. And here again, the, the main tool for me here is inner chamber work where you're just sitting with yourself and quietly processing. And micro adjustments. Do not underestimate the power of subtle calibration. It's not always about big life changing choices like quitting your job and moving to the jungle. It's not always necessary. Sometimes it's just a micro choice. Maybe you need to stop eating certain foods. Maybe you need to start changing something in the way you go about your, your day. Maybe it's a micro shift in relationships, setting some boundaries or creating new habits, you know, taking on new hobbies, things like that, micro adjustments, especially in our day-to-day -day life, in our day-to-day -day life, because the temple is your life. Your life is the temple. That's your practice space. That's where you get to be more mystic. And that's the embodiment. And when you feel you have integrated it, then you go out there and you express it. And then you offer yourself as an oracle, as a vessel for, for, that, for, for your soul. For example, you have in the exploration part, maybe you have reclaimed parts of you that you have lost or abandoned previously, then you have embodied and integrated them. And now those parts, maybe it was the healer in you, you have integrated and reclaimed the healer. And now it's only natural that this part wants to express itself. And then you might then move into that direction, you know, and start offering that to the world. And I always believe that a soul contracted divinely ordained mission, it already comes with support and resources. So don't be afraid to, to put yourself out there after you have explored and integrated and embodied because an embodied healer or an embodied mm, provider of transformation already has soul con contracts with people and with the land who need that medicine 
And then the cycle starts again, <laughs> because there are always next levels we can explore and reclaim, new levels of embodiment that we we can we, we can experience, and new things we want to express. So it's a never done deal. It's like you know, I always feel like you're falling down the rabbit hole, and then you are like Alice in Wonderland. Uh, you turn a corner, and there is another initiation. Oh, another piece of myself that I didn't know about. Oh, okay, fabulous. So that's how the modern mystic moves, knowing that you are undefinable in a way, you know, that 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 there is no end. I love that because I definitely can resonate. And I'm sure a lot of people listening can resonate when you feel like you've got to one point and you think, oh, wow, like I've, I can't believe I didn't know this before. And it's just this transformational moment. And then you think there can't be anything more. And next minute, there's something else. And then there's something else. And we have to accept that that's going to be a lifetime of that. And it's actually quite exciting when you look at it like that. You think what's right in front of you, what's coming that maybe you weren't weren't expecting. Yeah. So one of the, the final things I want to ask you about is the witch wound and, you know, what does it mean and why is it so essential to heal this? Mm. Oh, what a good question. Could be a whole episode in and of itself. <laughs> okay, so how do I explain this? What is the witch wound? Firstly, for many women, the witch wound is that lingering feeling of not feeling free to express their essence. So the witch wound kicks in somewhere around the embodiment moving into expression part of this journey where you feel like, okay, you have reclaimed your magic, you feel that there is magic in you, but you, the amount of fear you feel around it is completely disproportionate to the situation. Mm-hmm. And that kind of terror, that fear, uh, can also manifest on the physical level that you're blocked in your throat, for example. You cannot find the words. You want to post something on Instagram and share, but you like you can't. Or you are only sharing the palatable stuff, the, um, the kind of um, wishy-washy stuff, but you are not sharing the real deep stuff. And then for many women who are running a spiritual business, the witch wound manifests as they are watering down their self-expression and then their business is not growing. And then for many, it starts showing up as they attract um haters or negative comments and they feel persecuted it's the experience or or another popular manifestation is there will be somebody in your family or in your friend circle or in your close community who thinks that what you're doing is 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 wrong or that it is that it is i don't know that it's just um, bullshit that is just a fantasy so you face opposition so it's that experience of being a witch put on trial but in modern times, you either feel put on trial online where people are bullying you or you feel put on trial when your parents do not support your business, for example, and they say get a real job or when your partner is mocking you or when your your school friends are commenting on your Facebook and saying, oh, she's gone nuts. Uh, she used to be such a promising scholar and now she's uh, she is um, an exorcist. <laughs> somebody, somebody wrote about me because, you know, like I was a promising scholar academically I have, I'm a witch with a PhD and somebody says like oh no they, they said Violetta used to be such a promising scholar one of the best at our university and now she's an occultist and an exorcist <laughs> and I'm like okay if this is how you want to call it uh, okay fine so but back to my point so the witch went basically what it is it's the intersection between our greatest purpose our deepest truth and our essence and our, our deepest pain 
It's when pain and purpose intersect and it's like doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. If you don't express yourself, if you don't go full out, and if you don't live your truth, you feel that you're about to, like, you you are combustible. It's like you're going to blow up from the inside. It's like it's eating at you. You cannot, like, literally, it's like bursting you uh, open. But if you go out there and show your real self and take a stand and go all the full nine yards into the mysterio, you feel like you, you get backlash. Mm. And a lot so of women are- people know this. Like, I can just imagine people listening right now. There are so many women that are in this space right yeah. now. Yeah. Yes. And where does it come from? First of all, if you believe in past lives, if this is the lens you want to look through, this is probably past life memories. Mm. Then ancestral memories. If you have ancestors who literally got burned at the stake, but it, is, it doesn't even have to be that that they were burned at the stake. It can even be uh, somebody was different from their community and they got mocked by their community and ostracized, or they were the weird one, or they lived at a time where um, there were no such things, for example, as highly sensitive people, and everybody thought, oh yeah, that's just the, the village crazy, uh, the, the village crier, but she was actually an empath, you know, uh, those things. So it's the cellular level memory and so basically three levels soul memory your personal soul history past incarnations second level is ancestral memory it's in your dna we know about epigenetics we know that this stuff gets passed down through generations and then third layer is just the morphogenetic field it's the it's the morphic field around the planet is the collective witch wind because look at this at the time of this recording we are witnessing what's going on in iran this is the witch wind like, hello, she's just she's showing her hair and morality police comes and beats her to death. This is the modern day witch wind. Mm. So and we are we are participating in this collective healing because our ancestors did not have the space, the capacity or the possibility to heal. You in your past life burnt at the stake. You did not have the possibility to heal. It was literally not safe or it was literally not possible because they burnt your body. But now you're back. It's like, I am back, bitches. <laughs> I am I am back. The witch is back. So I and I to me, this is this is one of the in the most important soul contracts you can have to heal the witch wind. And to me, you know, like I've taught many programs about that, but I also think it's not something that we just go and heal once. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lifelong mission. To me, it's part of soul destiny. We are healing layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. So it's not like, okay, this is the tool or this is the course or like, okay, come to me, have a session and it's going to be done. No, it, 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 no, we um, we get started but then we we always hit new levels because there is so much more that wants to be expressed, that wants to be born through us. But the healing lies in the recognizing that this is a deep collective wound and it still exists as a certain pattern in the field. Yeah. So it's to have the awareness that this intersection of pain and purpose is very real. And we are still hearing the echoes of the voices of those women who got burnt and killed for just being themselves. And to me, the healing comes with recognizing that, maybe healing and clearing the energetical undertone and the, let's say, the emotional intensity around it, that we can do. But then another aspect to this is to take responsibility for doing things differently now. So when you transmute the witch wound into the witch mission, 
And to me, it's part of my mission to normalize magic. It's part of my mission to be a permission slip for women to live their magic fully and unafraid, to not tone it down, to actually go louder. I, I'm speaking metaphorically, not, not louder, louder. So no need to scream from the rooftops. But what I'm talking about is just refusing to cut parts of ourselves off, refusing to self-abandon. So this is the witch contract, the modern priestess contract, the mystic contract is to bring back the mystery and give the mystery its rightful place in the middle of our life. So instead of going underground and hiding it for, for the risk of being persecuted and killed, living it out in the open. And facing people who disagree with you with respect and love, mm -hmm. allowing them to disagree with you, not needing to prove a point. So, you know, often people ask me, but what do I do when I have unsupportive friends or unsupportive relatives? I, I say, I say um, you need to find support elsewhere and you need to support yourself and you need to stop trying to convert them. This is not a debate club. You know, you are not required to convert them. They are not interested in it. And you can have a, if possible, respectful agreement that you're not going to discuss this with them. This is your path. You choose yourself. You do not need to be approved by everyone because it's it's same, you know, if you decide to color your hair blue, there will be people who think it's stupid. But if you want blue hair, God bless, you know, enjoy it. Mm. Like, are you going to consult everyone over your, your decisions? No. Same applies to your past. And I think a lot of women get stuck because women are programmed programmed genetically and socially and culturally to seek approval. We are programmed to be people pleasers. It is very hard for us to be with the emotional intensity of other people's reactions to what we choose to do with our life. And so part of the which would healing for me is to stop caring about what people think. Because they cannot persecute you unless you live in Iran, you know. Um, so if you live in the Western world where we have freedom of speech and we are very privileged. And again, privilege comes here into play. It's like if you have the privilege of living in a country that has free speech, there is literally no excuse for you to not use your privilege to have free speech. Because there are sisters right here, right now, who are fighting for such basic human rights as being able to choose what you wear. And so the least we can do for those sisters in countries that do not have this level of sovereignty that we enjoy is to is to just, you know, stop being so bothered by all the little opinions of all those people that are not even, you know, our our sole friends. It's not for them. But there are so many who, who want your medicine, who want your magic, and they want it undiluted. They don't want the acceptable, right? The version that can be displayed at family dinner. That's not what people need. And that was very hard for me to, to finally get. And you know what? The moment I got that people want my completely uncensored, undiluted self-expression, things really took off in my business and also in my life because it liberated a lot of life energy. So much energy gets wasted on trying to suppress your light. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. So witch wound healing means uncapping your light, no longer needing to live in hiding and like the veils get blasted open. It's like karmic liberation and energetical clearing where you are no longer veiling your field, your aura. And then don't be surprised that it changes the direction of your business or that you start attracting new friends, <laughs> different friends who support you. So uncap yourself, take the lid off. 
I think this is just such a important message because so many women have trapped themselves with this and that they will listen to this and they will res- that will resonate with them. And they'll think, oh, my goodness, I'm doing some of these things to myself. Sometimes we're not aware and sometimes we are aware, but we don't, don't know which way to go. And especially for women who feel like they've got no support. Um, and that's why, you know, this whole podcast is about opening people up to that and that sisterhood and, and knowing that there are so many women that are intrigued by this, that are looking for that, that are connecting. And the whole point is to have different people come and speak like yourself to say these messages so that, you know, if you are looking for that or you want to connect with someone that um, can support you that way, there are so many people out there. It might not be, you know, your parent, sibling, family member, you know, all your friends. They might not understand that. And I think we do waste so much time trying to, you know, hold it down, thinking that that's what everybody wants when we're actually really attracted to those that are very, you know, honest. Either we are repelled or we're completely attracted to them. It's sort of that that one way or another. So I can understand when you say, you know, your business has gone to that next level because it's, it is this sort of like letting go, you know, yeah, yeah. and allowing that magic to come in. So I know that there's going to be a lot of people that have listened today and gone, wow, <laughs> this is amazing. So much beautiful content and information to share with everyone. How does someone find you or how can they connect with you if they want to work with you or get in touch with you or, um, yeah, just get into your space? <laughs> yeah, so you can find me on my website, templeofstarfire.com. I also have a podcast called The Mystical Feminine Podcast where I talk about all things feminine mystery and my episodes are mostly solo episodes that are like mini rants and mini trainings so you can get a lot from just listening to that show and I hang out a lot on Instagram that's like my go-to place and actually there are so many amazing people to befriend and connect with on Instagram it can be your new soul family and it's also Temple of Starfire with an underscore at the end because Instagram blocked my original account long story anyway find me on instagram connect and if this resonated please share it with with people who need it um send me your feedback send me your insights i also love doing q a on my instagram so if you have some specific questions just dm me your question and next time i do the q a round i will speak into it or i'll address it on my podcast and i also have regularly various group programs and ceremonies and offerings so there are so many ways that you can step into my world and if this resonates by all means please be welcome i I'd be so, so delighted to be of service. Oh, beautiful. Amazing. I think I'm going to have to go and check out more of your stuff, even though I'm on a lot of it already um, and see what you're up to. Cause I know you, yeah, your stuff's amazing. So thank you so much again for um, taking the time to chat to us today. And um, I'm sure that the listeners have got a lot out of it. I know I personally have. So thank you again for, for spending the time today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Lots of love to everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another magical episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show in your podcast app so you don't miss another episode. And we'd love you to share the podcast with any family or friends who might be interested in the show.